The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning. Welcome to Mid-South Gardening. If you have gardening questions, give us a call, toe-free, 844-747-8868. That's it, 844-747-8868. That's the, uh, that's the phone number, guys. 800 number, coast to coast. You can call us from anywhere you're at. If you have any gardening questions. Absolutely. Hi, yes. I'm Veda with Palladio. We have Kenneth with Dan West, Jim Carter, our retired nurseryman. Uh, does the Facebook page Mid South Gardening, and you've just got a bunch of great people here to answer your questions, or or we'll just talk. And what about your uh, your web page there? Mid South Gardening, yes, that's our Facebook group. Facebook group, that's right. the word. Yep. And how many members now, Mr. Jim? Uh, uh, we're about to cross seven thousand. That's unbelievable. In the next few days. Fantastic. Now, when you started this, did you you had no idea? I I, I didn't. I didn't. I, you know, I was just basically wanting to get some good information out there because there's a lot stored up here. And, mm. and before I become incapacitated and can't remember it all, <laughs> I thought I would share some of it. <laughs> so. uh, there's a lot to remember. Sometimes it's good just get it out on paper. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, because uh, all this time gardening, get to experience a lot of good things and you and, never and know everything. That's never. Right. You know, and that's where the, particularly the three of us, we've been around the the actual business for 125 years mm-hmm. or so uh and well that sounds like together 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 yeah together not 125 uh, years together but we've seen (laughs) lots of different problems we've seen uh thousands and answered thousands upon thousands of questions and so you know we've learned from experience yeah. Right. Yeah, well, the, the good and the bad, right? Yes. I was looking at your the Facebook page this week, and every time I got ready to an- answer something, something else would come up. Oh. And I never got to finish answering. And then, oh, but I did post the uh, leopard snail. I saw the leopard snail. Yeah. No, because what's, first what's, I what's this whole a, deal about the leopard yeah, snail? Yeah, first I sent the picture to Jim because it was in the bucket and curled up. And so I really wasn't sure, like, how deep this thing was in the bucket. And I was thinking it was a slug, but it was pretty intense. So I sent the picture to Jim. Now, does it have the little shell on his back, or is this Nothing. just a no, slug? This, this is a slug. Yeah. Leopard yeah. slugs are some of the largest. They get, you know, I've seen some eight inches long or so when they stretch out. Um, but she reached down in there, you know, and it's in nursery plants you mm-hmm. quite yeah. often you know touch Where one of those things yeah and this uh, was a lot of touching on yeah. this one. this was a big one <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was like oh slug and i moved my hand over a little bit you know to pick up the bucket oh slug again and moved it was my the hand. same slug and then i like okay what what is this and i pulled the it was in a uh, bucket of like grass ornamental grass and i pulled that grass back and it was just all bumped he, up he was just looking there. for a, he was looking for a nice hosta to start munching on but you know yeah. that's the thing they, they're they're as much carnivorous as anything they'll eat other slugs yeah yeah good to have because around i yeah. see that was what i wanted to talk about was Okay, so about, well, really, actually, everything I read said it eats slugs, organic matter, not maybe wilted plants, but really didn't much out on plants. But people that sell insecticides say they eat every single leaf off your plants. 
Oh, really? Yeah. So uh, well, because I've never known a okay. good slug. Was, honestly, yeah. You know, I'm not saying every person that sells insecticide, yeah. but n- kind of not our homeowner thing. But when you were going out broader, they were like, "Oh, it eats all your stuff. You got to spray, spray, spray this." And I'm going, "But I really thought they just ate other slugs and was casual." In all right. Yard. So what is this? So if I'm out there in the hosta, you know, bed, mm-hmm. and I've got holes being eaten in my leaves, typically that is a snail or a slug. Mm-hmm. We all know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you're saying yeah. there's a leopard slug. If yeah. you ever see one of those, just leave the thing alone. Right, right. So I need exactly. a, I need to Google leopard slug and see what I'm... Yeah. And, and they're quite... Um, they're really quite beautiful. The the patterns on there, you know, if you can say beautiful and slug mm-hmm. in the same, yeah, which but you, you just did. On that, um, yeah. But the patterns on them are really quite unique. Um, yeah, they, it said I'm trying to find the exact word that if you're not sure, <laughs> turn it over and look at the bottoms of, it, of its feet. Uh, of its foot. <laughs> foot. Yeah, yeah. What was it? Oh, yeah. It said, be certain. Sometimes it's necessary to have a look at the foot sole of a slug. What in a the A foot heck? sole. I'm going, okay, Is when you look at the slug, does it look like it has a little skirt on the sides of it? And yeah. then, then you kind of look at the bottom of that. Is that a foot sole on no, a snail? No, no, you flip it over and, you know, like a puppy and see what. What? <laughs> oh, okay. What nationality it is? No. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, so that, y'all, I bet you never thought you would learn a slug has a foot sole. I just hope you're not eating breakfast right now. Yeah. yeah. But hey, the then they do collect them for pets, too, I read. Sorry, Kenneth. No. I'm going to say the the biggest... Pets. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the big word this morning is water. I'm just telling you. Oh, man. Uh, it is so dry out there, guys. Um you know, I, I, I watered my front yard the other night. That's the first time I watered it this year. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, and and I don't. I'm not a big proponent of pulling that sprinkler out, but I, I had to. Um, and I'm just telling you know, if you've got landscapes, uh, whether it's annuals, perennials, uh, trees, shrubs, and everything in between, you better be making your rounds uh, to make sure that everything yeah. gets watered. I live in that dome that you've always mm-hmm. talked about. Well, I, I've, I'm still under the dome, Jim. I yeah. get no it's, rain. I have had less than an inch in three weeks. Well, um, that's my yeah. point. Yeah. And, and I'm telling you, yeah. more I, I, probably 30% of the people that have come into the garden center this week uh, have had problems with their plants that are either been grossly overwatered mm-hmm. or horrendously underwatered. Yeah. Uh, case to point, a young lady came in, I guess, probably a month ago and got a couple seven-gallon limelight hydrangeas. And we all know how easy those are to grow. Well, she showed me a picture yesterday of both of them, okay? Mm -hmm. And what happened, this was at her daughter's house that her husband had planted these uh, limelights. And the husband had put in some type of homemade drip irrigation, okay? Because I was asking the young lady, you know, are these, how often are these being watered? She said, well, I don't know. My husband put it in his homemade irrigation system. Oh. I said, well, when does it come on? Well, I'm not sure, you know. But either this thing had had no water whatsoever or it was setting in a tub of water. Hmm. Because, you know, when the yeah. leaves start to wilt and they fold down. And you keep watering and watering. Yeah, and, and, and it can be from either, you know, uh, inadequate water or way too much water. And I said, look, what you need to do is get over there <laughs> and dig a little hole down beside this root ball and check the moisture. You know, we see a lot of times with uh, drip irrigation, especially homemade drip irrigation or irrigation systems where <laughs> you'll get penetration of water for about half an inch or that's an inch, right. and that's it. So 
I'm just saying, guys, make sure you make your rounds. Uh, check your irrigation systems. Make sure the zones are hitting everything they should. Get the hose out if you have to and get some watering done. But at the same time, make sure things are not just staying sloppy, muddy, wet. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and who, Vader, you made the comment about this a couple of weeks ago how you were actually teaching people how to water in the nursery. Okay. Yeah, right. Watering is. It's an art. It is an art, I'm telling you, but it's something that, that plants have got to have, especially now with it being so dry. Mm-hmm. And it's going to get hot again next mm-hmm. week. And I think I saw one day where there's a 30% chance of rain. Oh, you maybe, saw that? Yay. Maybe, right. So, but not, not in y'all's place because no, y'all have never a dome. Yeah, so, <laughs> so no rain basically this coming week also, and, and it's getting hot again. It'll rain great in my place, just really good. But at this point, I don't have a yard, so <laughs> it doesn't help me if it rains a lot. So... <laughs> We're just all in a bad spot right now. Get out there and check that water. Check that moisture, I'm telling you. Well, let's uh, take one of our callers. Good morning, Wesley. Thanks for giving us a call. You're in the Mid-South Garden. Hey, how's it going? Hey, Wesley. Good Good morning to you, buddy. Uh, Yes, I have a a fern spray false cypress that has bugs all over it. And it looks like it's getting eaten. Is it like a bagworm that's got this little thing hanging on it, like a little teepee hanging on it? No, it's more like a like a whitish moth. Oh, interesting. I love that plant. Kudos to you yeah. for selecting that plant. It's wonderful. But it looks like a moth. Jim, I see your eyebrows. I, mean, I would still just what go out there and that? spray with a generic insecticide. Yeah, permethrin would be my first choice. Uh, if you want something that's um, organic, then go to spinosad. Um, okay. What is is the foliage or anything looking bad, or do you just have the insect on there now? It's just a whole bunch of them on every one of them, okay. and it's just the in the tips of the plant are just looks like it's getting eaten. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, Wesley, okay. just go out there early in the morning or late in the afternoon, just not during the heat of the day, uh, and spray yeah. that thing down. Come back in about ten days, two weeks, and and spray it again with, like Jim said, either a permethrin or a spinosad. Uh, which are both okay. very broad spectrum. You'll knock that stuff out of there. Oh, thank you. All, All right, right. Thank you Thanks so much for calling, from the call. Thanks, buddy. You know, and he hit on something there. We've mm-hmm. been getting lots of uh, in- interesting comments on the Facebook group about um, moths in the yard. Oh, you walk outside at night right. right now to let the dog out or whatever. They are everywhere. Right. You know, and in fact, uh, I have um, I have cameras set up to watch my koi pond because, mm-hmm. you know, occasionally I'll have a little visitor come try to get some out. I'm um, sorry. Did you, I didn't know you put the camera up. Yep, no, not you. They did the <laughs> raccoons. Oh, oh, oh okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, a night vision camera shows every insect that's flying, and you mm-hmm. would not believe how many of them are out there. Yeah. Okay. And a number of these are going to lay eggs, and they're going to become army worms. But then aren't we going through that right now? We are going through that, you know, and hopefully they'll stay in your lawn. You know, if the, if the, in the lawn, you can spray if you want, but if you just, if they'll just eat the green off, and then if you Uh-oh. hit it with fertilizer and water, they'll come back. No, I'm going to spray and kill them. Okay. But you All don't right. want them we'll to get on your shrubs. We'll when we come back from the break. We're answering your gardening questions after the break. Call toll-free 844-747-8868. <laughs> Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. 
listening. If you have a gardening question, give us a call toll-free at 844-747-8868. And I believe you can stream us online. What is that? How is that? KWAMradio.com. That's right. KWAMradio.com. Oh, and our podcast. Mm -hmm. You can listen to our podcast, too, 24-7, basically. And then, of course, Facebook Live. You know, there you are, Miss Veda. So a lot of different ways you can listen to us this morning. (laughs) All right, let's see. We were... We went quickly to a break, and we were talking. What were you? Oh, the moths. Weren't we still talking about the army worm moths? Yeah. Well, yes. You don't. Whenever you have a moth, you have a caterpillar to follow. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Those are givens. (laughs) Yeah. And they like to eat plants. Rule number (laughs) one. So if you see moths, you can expect something to be eaten. Uh, so you want to keep an eye on that. You know, if you brush by, go by and just brush some of your shrubs. And if you see lots mm-hmm. of moths come out of there, mm-hmm. you want to think about maybe spraying because you likely to have some baby caterpillars in there. Well, it's yeah. like the gentleman that called this morning from South Haven. He had moths in his, what, fall cypress. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and it's not the moth that's doing the the problem. No. It's not, I mean, because they're not going to hurt anything. It's the babies. Right. It's, yeah. It's cause and effect. You know, <laughs> and, and cause and effect. Moth. Is the cause, effect is the worm. And, the you know, army worms. worms were horrible um, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and, you know, every day, every minute of every day, people were coming in, what do I do about these army worms? But in the last, this, this past week, honestly, uh, I've only had a couple people come in complaining about army worms. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, uh, so, uh, Jim, Kenneth, like, okay, we're a lot of times things happen two times in our season because it's so long. And I didn't, was not, I was thinking the army worms were over because we didn't see them. But then, like you said, <clears throat> that you're seeing some other, they're still around. That's right. And so it's because they take, we have that little break because I guess the moths came out the first, second, third stages. They don't really mm-hmm. eat a lot. And then when they get large, they just start devouring. So maybe if we start looking now for the little ones oh, yeah. and killing now, then when they get really big, which they're harder to kill. Yeah, now I'm done. certainly not saying army worms that, are gone. I'm just, yeah. you know, this this past week, it, it seems like it really died down. Yeah, once uh, those that first batch matures and they start mm-hmm. making cocoons and become moths again, that's when you'll typically see a second wave of them. Well, and, and then case to point, I uh, had a couple come in yesterday. And, you know, they come in with their baggie that's, uh, you <laughs> know, sealed up, and almost glued up and taped up at the same time, right? Uh, and inside the baggie was um, some Japanese beetles. And I was like, wow, you know. It's late. And, yeah, it's late yeah. for Japanese beetles, but there's still some out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, you know, they after they ate every bloom on my crepe myrtles in my backyard, they moved somewhere so else. So they right? really did. They really every did. Every bloom, every wow. bloom I had on my crepe myrtles were was devoured. Oh. Yeah, um, and, and you know, so I was a little surprised to see Japanese beetles, uh, mm-hmm. you know, this late. And I told them, you know, I said, you know, this is what you can spray with, of course. And most of your generic insecticides have Japanese beetles on the label. Like you mentioned a while ago, Jim, the same products, permethrin, spinosa, yeah. acephate, they're all good products. Um, but I said they are definitely on the way out. Now, mm-hmm. we all know that every year we're seeing more and more Japanese beetles here in the Mid-South. And mm-hmm. they're not going anywhere. You know, they're right. here to stay. So it, it's something that we're going to have to deal with every year, it seems like now. Well, for the identification purposes, the moth for the armyworm is not a solid white moth. Is that correct? It's the solid white. 
that makes the um, army worms. I mean, it's got white on them, but like I see, they look as white as paper. Some moths flying around. Mm-hmm. Wonder which one that belongs to. Is yeah. the yeah? Cause, we'll look it up and see. Yeah. So uh, that's that's what I'm uh, looking at. Is for me at first, I was thinking that they were all white. The moths, and so I kept seeing moths everywhere and going, wow, wow, fall army worms are going to be intense. There's a lot of white moths. But then um, I started looking at insects and all, and they're not like white, white. So if you see the white, white ones, mm. that's not, is there, yeah, is there white or white, white? It's not like egg white. I'm she'll, saying she'll white, wake white. Up in a minute. Yeah, yeah not yeah. egg white. <laughs> you know, I'm, um, you know, I'm a proponent of, not killing everything in your landscape. Yeah. Um, you know, for example, Definitely. if you see the little caterpillars, the little green and black striped caterpillars mm-hmm. on your parsley and so forth right now, well, we know that's going to be a beautiful butterfly, right? right. It's a science project. But <laughs> is there the larva of a moth? Are there any good moths out there? I mean, I guess the moths, yeah. some of the moths do do some pollinations and so forth. They, they, they do. They're mm-hmm. important pollinators, particularly yeah. the night flying ones. Yeah. Um, it's it's one of those things where you have to ask yourself: Is there enough damage to justify right. me spraying? Being, yeah, being sprayed. So. Yeah. Well, also, don't army worms only like Bermuda grass, but not zoysia? They don't eat my zoysia. No, yeah, but they so will though. They're gonna be starved. No, they yeah. will eat zoysia. I mean, and I've had people come in and they've had them in their zoysia. Now, do they prefer Bermuda? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, but they will eat other type of grasses. Because yeah, the lady that I was, we were talking extensively about the fall armyworms yesterday, and she was the same way. She goes, "I have Bermuda and it's gone, but my zoysia is fantastic." Yeah, they prefer it. And uh, so uh, I thought, well, okay, if we don't, if we don't want the armyworms, let's <laughs> not plant Bermuda. <laughs> well, a lot of people already have Bermuda though, so. Right. But the um, thing was with hers, yeah. So they're, when their wings are open, know, you can see up. white. And when they're closed, they're uh, more brown. Like, look, they almost look like bark, which is why mm-hmm. that's why we can't find the moths a lot of times. But um, her thing was, well, we talked about, well, we'll I want to talk about this, the whole succession that went into her army worm showing up. You mean in her in, in her, her lawn. yard? I got yeah, you. Yeah, lawn. So uh, we're going to go out to a break. Call us morning and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. If you have gardening questions, give us a call toll-free 844-747-8868, locally 260-5926. I'm Veda with Palladio. Kenneth with Dan West Garden Centers. And I'm Jim Crowder. I am the retired, grumpy, old nurseryman. Yeah, and you know, our Facebook group. You know, when you, we people used to call you grumpy, and I just well, don't I get it anymore. Grumpy. You were you were a grumpy old I thing, was, you know. But he's such a nice guy now, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, heavily medicated. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, we have another station joining us today. Yes, but it won't come up till the seven o'clock hour. Okay, well yeah. that's going to be fantastic. So uh, locally two six zero five nine two six, and uh, we were talking about fall army worms and their uh, the the extensive conversation I had with someone was first, 
sometimes all the things have to be right for the army worms even to show up. So a lot of times you don't have to panic thinking that your whole yard's going to be eaten. But some of the conditions that are right are they love Bermuda. Mm -hmm. But what makes it even more delicious to these worms is the Bermuda was in the shade. So the Bermuda was stressed. Yeah. And Bermuda, and we know, I mean, shade is such a relative term, but Bermuda mm-hmm. needs a lot of sun, at least six hours or more. Unless it's in your azalea garden and it grows all up underneath. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and it does. needs sun at all then. So you're saying, so that Bermuda, <laughs> now they'll eat stressed Bermuda, they'll eat healthy Happy, Bermuda, they'll yeah. eat any Bermuda. Well, it, and like we said, they eat other grasses also. And Sonia texted in on Facebook. She said, I just uh, tuned in to hear y'all talking about army worms. They got my Bermuda grass pretty good. Other than watering, what's the best thing to do for my grass now? Mm-hmm. So yeah. the la- the they they I'm not gonna say who they is recommended triple thirteen. Never never on a turf. Why do you say that, Jim? Well, and, and we all know triple thirteen is yeah. just a commercial grade. It's an agricultural grade fertilizer, fertilizer right. super for gardens, yeah. uh, vegetable gardens, because yeah. you need rapid release fertilizer. Right. But for turf, the more fertilizer you give it, the faster it grows. And I'm liking that. It, well, you would, <laughs> but you're only going to mow once a week regardless. Yeah. Okay? Most people, there are yeah. a few of us fanatics out there that would mow more often. Um, but once a week is not enough. You're going to end up cutting off too much leaf blade, which actually stresses the grass. Gotcha. And uh, it can lead to problems further down the road, fungal issues and all kinds of things. So you want to give them a good quality fertilizer. Give it something that says turf builder or something similar that's ideally a ratio of about 711. I mean, for example, we've got Fertilome Lawn Food, which is a 2404 or 2408. Yeah, most of them. And then there's Classic Lawn Food, which is 1608, I believe. Most of them have taken the phosphorus out because in in some areas of the country, phosphorus moves through sandy soil pretty quick, gets in the water, causes the green algae and all that kind of stuff. So they've taken phosphorus out. But, you you know, you don't really need the phosphorus that much. It helps a little bit with disease resistance, but you're not trying to grow fruit you know, you hear people say, well, I'm going to let my Bermuda go to seed. Well, it, it ain't happening because mm-hmm. that seed won't mature here. All the, all the Bermuda seed that's grown from seed is done in Arizona where yeah. they have no winter. Yeah. <laughs> you know? so, so for Sonia, though, she can go out there, um, and, and she's already had army worms march through her Bermuda lawn. And they, like, said, like she said, they've got it pretty good. Just go out there with a good non-burning type lawn food mm-hmm. uh, and feed that grass, and it will stimulate new growth. Right. And the grass should be okay. You, typically, an armor worm is not going to kill your lawn. Uh, they're just eating all the right. green <laughs> blades yeah. off of your right. lawn. And, and being an organic gardener, there are organic gardening lawn foods that you can use, too. So there's um, a multitude of fertilizers you can choose from. You can go uh, organic or synthetic, either yeah. one. And, um, and some also, of the good organics, they are like the milorganite. Yeah, uh, the there's a spoma lawn, lawn food. food. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> you can tell we both have that. <laughs> uh, but they're great and, products, though. They really yeah. are. So whether you're feeding your lawn with organic lawn foods or non-burning, slow-release, synthetic-type lawn foods, mm-hmm. uh, Sonia, that's exactly what I would go ahead and put on my Bermuda right. now. And, you know, the better your soil is, the quicker your grass grows. So if you wanted to, you can actually get uh, truckloads of the cottonbur compost. 
Can't you still get that? I oh, haven't yeah. tried it out mm-hmm. lately. Been able to check that. So, you know, if you wanted to just spread compost all over your yard to make your soil better, make your roots have something nice to grow into, that just speeds it up a little bit. Or you bit, could do it the easy you know? way and get soil activator, which oh, is yes. granulated, what, carbon, basically, mm-hmm. um, and put it out with a spreader, come back and water the product in. And uh, it's kind of like the building block of your soil yeah um, but it's just called soil activator great yeah, product because we do need a lot of carbon in our soil yeah, and it holds water it holds f- fertilizer it's a great uh, holds bacteria that mm. helps break down your organic fertilizer so that the plants can get to it it also ah. turns the soil black which is important because it heats up quicker in the yeah. spring stays warmer longer in the fall and you can add really about a month of green to it by uh, to your lawn by applying it. Uh, right, so, so that so that's granule. Now I didn't know it like held bacteria, the good bacteria yeah, and all. It does. It's a great oh. source for um, bacteria to to get in, um, and it's it's what's left after all the nutrients and stuff are gone. Okay, when mm-hmm. uh, it's. It's a soul activator. Is, yeah, is yeah a, that's it. Yeah. And there's you, another one. I think there's a liquid know, one too, isn't it? Yeah, yeah there humic is. Humic acid. Yeah. Well, so it's like if you've got a bag of real good organic matter and you put it out and then you wipe your hands and all your hands are all black, that's the humic. Yeah. So it's easier just to buy it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, um, and spread it out. But at least one time a year. I think every yard should have that. Every yard should have that at least one time a year. Yeah. It, you know, I normally tell people that if they'll put it down a couple of times over the course of two years or so, mm-hmm. you'll see significant uh, advantages, particularly in fescue lawns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it really good. does a good yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, then you can do that in the summer on the fescue lawns. Yeah. You can do it anytime. But you can't do, uh, like other fertilizers that aren't natural is well there one you know you, now? on a fescue we're, lawn for you know, summer i mean you're summer, right i mean yeah. typically we're feeding bermuda and zoysia during the summer months because that's really their growing season uh but a lot of people do make the mistake theta and jim of putting down lawn foods on their fescue the same time they're feeding their bermuda and zoysia and that's not really a good thing to do um fescue as we know this time of year is more or less semi-dormant. It doesn't want to grow in this heat. It just kind of sits there. And you don't want to encourage a lot of growth on fescue uh, in the summertime. So uh, keep the lawn foods off the fescue until this fall. Then you can feed it not a problem. You can feed it early spring because that's really the growing season for the fescue. But you can do more harm than good feeding fescue in the summer the same time you're feeding your Bermuda and zoysia. This is true. So we're in the middle of summer. No, would you say we're more at the end of summer? I mean, like in the mid south in our area, it feels like the middle of summer. I but don't know. Really you know I mean, September we're in those dog can days. be terribly yes. hot here. Yeah. So I'm kind of I'm still saying we're summer strong. <laughs> but I did have a customer call me the other day, uh, and they moved into this house, um, and it's new to them. Uh, and it's got quite a few trees uh, on the property. And there's a lot of fescue that have been planted uh, in the people prior to them moving in. And he called me and said, Kenny, do you, is this something that I'm going to have to overseed every year? And I said, yeah. bingo, absolutely mm-hmm. you are. I mean, fescue around here, um, you know, when you sow that seed out there in the fall, what you see is what you got, you know. And I don't care what you do. You're going to lose some in the summertime. I don't, and you've got to keep it watered just to keep it, but you're going to lose some. So every fall or early spring, fall really being the best time, you overseed it every year just to perpetuate what you have. 
and you were talking about feeding it a while ago, Veda, you know, a lot of people will go out there in the summertime and spray liquid seaweed uh, mm-hmm. on that fescue. And they swear up and down that it really helps that fescue kind of cope with the summer heat right. more so than ones that don't. Yeah. yeah, I used to recommend using milorganite, but cut the rate down to 25% or not so. Not a problem. Yeah, where you're not going to force any growth. And um, as your boss said for a tackle one time, he really felt like it helped the, the photosynthesis of the grass and producing food. And, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it seems to help. It really does. Yeah. And the, the seaweeds mix now in the Super Thrive that we used to use all the time. Uh, we do use all the time. And then seaweeds mixed into a lot of your liquid fertilizers that you spray on the soil, <laughs> even though I coated some plants the foliage and all, but it's easier to let it hit the foliage, run down into the bucket than trying to get under the plant. So that's why. It'll get there. That's why. It'll get there eventually. All right, we're going to take another break, and we'll answer your gardening questions after you after you give us a call, is what I was going to say. After we come back from the break, so call us uh, 844-747-8868 and locally 260-5926. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. A little Booker T and the MGs there. I do like that. That's a that. little U2 going on. Yeah, I love that music. I do too. I'm sp- Remember the music we played a number of years ago, which was really cool then, but it's kind of faded now. It was the Appalachian Memories. Yes. From Mountain Music. That was fun, but that was then. This is now. We did that forever. <laughs> but if you want to give us a call this morning, guys, toll free 844-747-8868. That's 844-747-8868. And then, uh, Veda, you mentioned a local number a while ago, 260-5926. And, guys, you can go to Facebook Live, and you can also go to uh, the Mid-South Gardening Podcast on kwamradio.com. A lot of different ways, man, I'm telling you. You can't miss us. No. (laughs) You can't miss us. And definitely, we want your gardening questions, 260-5926. So, anyway, where were we? What were we talking about? Because I'm always interrupting you, Jim. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm always like, okay, we got to go to break. (laughs) You know why I do that. (laughs) Okay, let's see. We've done the the fall army worms. We've had had a lot of little sluggy-looking things, the leopard slug. But I was driving in this morning thinking, you know, we've had a pretty decent summer as far as the weather goes. Uh, You know, it hasn't been, other than maybe a a week or 10 days, extremely hot here in the Mid-South. Uh, but I was also thinking, y'all, we, you know, think about the, and I hate to dwell on problems, okay? But no, you don't. But, you make your life about. But, but think about <laughs> it, guys. Good I, I mean, think about this. You know, you know, crate myrtle bark scale has been really bad again this year, and that's the mm-hmm. scale that get on the crate myrtles. Army worms that we see, what every five, six, maybe seven years, they've been horrible this year. Uh, you know, and we always talk about, uh, you know, the fire ants, you know, they've been horrible this year. I mean, so it seems like in the Japanese beetles, they're mm-hmm. getting worse every year. Um, and still the same standard for the lace bugs. They're still around. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> quite, yeah. Every sample that comes in, they did this week of, of azaleas has lace been lace bugged. Bug. Yeah. And then there's some scale. All right. We've had a lot of bug talk this morning. Let's go to some flower beds, possibly. Good morning, Barbara. Hello. Hey, Barbara. Uh, Good morning. I have just moved 
and I do not have but one small flower bed. Mm-hmm. Do you know anyone that does spread bed prep? I brought peonies and quite a few plants with me in hospice, but I have nowhere to put them. Um, let's see. I, I do. I know a lot of people, really, mm-hmm. but um, can they con? Can she contact like Master Gardeners or um, the Master Gardener Society to find out? It's kind of word of mouth. Well, I mean, I guess a couple of things, Barbara. I mean, first of all, hopefully these plants are in containers and you can keep them watered until you can get them. Yes, sir. Okay. And, you know, put them in the shade, uh, you know, where they're not out there in that full baking sun. Keep them watered. As far as uh, having people come out and prep a flower bed or create a flower bed, uh, I mean, there are some lawn care companies in town that you can call. Uh, you know, they do landscaping but also. Call the independent garden centers, too. They they could have a list of people they recommend. They usually do. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if uh, they have volunteers at the Botanic Gardens that also do that kind of work or at the Dixon, mm-hmm. you know, Gallery Gardens. Um, it's it's one of those things where, you know. Oh, wait. Did I just hear Jim say he was going to do that? No. <laughs> <laughs> I swear I heard you say that. <laughs> but, 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 Barbara, yeah. I mean, like Veda said, you can call some of these independent garden centers. And a lot of times they'll have a little list of people that they can give you. Uh, you can have them come out there and take a look at it and just give you an estimate, you know. Okay. I mean, that's exactly I what I would do. I could use, well, I guess I'd say. I could use a little bit of landscaping, but not much because I brought all these. Well, right, yeah, yeah, but it doesn't matter. If you just need a bed prep, I mean, to me, you know, you, you need that done. Yeah. And There's so, a lot of gardeners definitely. available. Yeah, just call, like, because you're in Memphis or in the Memphis area. Yeah, just check with some of the garden centers that are local to where you are because they'll, uh, you know, have people around in your area or just any of them because a lot of them have lists or know people that garden, but there's just too many to uh, go over. And then a lot of the independent garden centers, some of them have landscaping little crews also. But uh, I would get in touch with two or three of them, Barbara, and get a quote from maybe two or three different people. Okay, I will do that. Yeah, try try garden centers first. Yes, ma'am. All right. Well, thanks for the call, Barbara. Thanks, Barbara. One of the problems with the really small jobs, it's difficult. You know, the big companies just don't Mm -hmm. want. They got plenty to do. You know, where they're so it's difficult sometimes to find somebody to do a a small job like that. Because she's needing a gardener, basically, basically, not not a big landscape, but a gardener. You know, but so many people, you know, particularly if you've got a patio, you know, focus on on your container gardens, Mm -hmm. you know, even just where you if you've got a little ground there, set the containers on top of it. It's so much easier than having to weed the bed and, and take care of it. You know, and most all things like peonies, they'll survive sitting mm-hmm. out there all winter. Shrubs, um, evergreen shrubs yeah, will. Yeah. So you've got a real opportunity there just to expand your container gardens. Mm-hmm. You can change it every day if you want to. Yeah. You know? Yeah. When you're tired of that plant, right. one little plant looks bad. Move one forward, move one back. So. And Veda, you used to do, I mean, you've done everything in the gardening, you know, book. Along with y'all. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. She's like me, had a tour time. I mean, what would, job. what would she be? <laughs> you would, um, I mean, if she wanted a, Funny. if Barbara wanted a little area or a, a, a bed 
prepped. Mm-hmm. Um, well, actually made and prepped. I mean, you go out there with, with just a tiller and some good soil amendments. And well, if it's not too, normally we always try not to use the tiller. We just uh, clean the bed up real good, chop it with the shovel. And that's, that is, so that is an existing bed yeah, if you have one. Yeah, a smaller one. existing bed. Yeah. And uh, little patios and things like that. You can find a good little team to do that. Yeah. Um, I love doing it, but it just turned into being not my thing. <laughs> but it, but I now, like this But if you're better. creating a new bed, then you mm-hmm. just kind of define the bound, the border. Yeah. And, and add your Ooh, amendments mercy. and work it in really That's good. That's when you do have, because you have to probably get the grass out, the Bermuda. Yeah. And you do need to till it up some to break up that top, top surface. But I just don't go back. and You know, some people get in that tiller and they're yeah. just in the zone. Back and forth, yeah. back and forth. Well, it's like trying to make homemade biscuits. If you if you uh, need them too much, it takes all the air out, and they turn flat and hard. So if you uh, till your soil to death, you're taking the air out and just putting it back into compaction. Yeah, you're, you know, it, it should break up into particles that are anywhere from pea size to golf ball size. You know, and that's yeah. that's good soil. There. So we don't have to make it. It tiny shouldn't grains. be powder. Gotcha. If it's powder, it's too dry to do anything with. Yeah. Gotcha. So. All right. So hopefully, Barbara, just call some of the garden centers around and they can uh, fix you up with that. All right. We're going to, well, we're about to go to a break and then we're going to be back in the next hour. Yep. In fact, we have an expanded show now. We're on from six to nine, despite what Kenneth wanted. So, (laughs) (laughs) sweet Kenneth. (laughs) So, anyway, we'll be back. Give us a call, 844 747 8868. garden help you need now mid-south gardening powered by palladio home and garden with your hosts veda vance kenneth mabry and jim crowder hello and welcome back to mid-south gardening if you have gardening questions give us a call toll free 844-747-8868 and of course you can go to uh, KWAMRadio.com if you want to listen to the podcast, Veda, and then you can always go to Facebook Live, the Mighty 990, and there you are. And we want to welcome a uh, newest affiliate to join the program, WNIX AM 1330, FM 101.1 in Greenville, Mississippi. It is the talk of the Delta. Welcome to Mid-South Garden. Absolutely, man. Nothing wrong with the Delta, Fantastic. I'm telling you. Yeah, my mama's born down there. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I've been there. <laughs> We've all been there. What's wrong with you? Been there. So uh, this is our second hour, and then we have a third hour as well for all of y'all that have been listening to us for a while. You get to hear us one more. You know how many times I said at the end of the show this for is years. A, this oh, is a trial we... thing, though, right? No, this three-hour thing? No, uh, yeah, no, we're I know. Here. We're taking an hour out of your day off, which is a lot on your day off. Well, there so might be there might be on some occasions where it's going to be Jim <laughs> and Veda here from eight to nine. No, <laughs> the door locks automatically, so you can't get out. Well, well of, you know you're having too much fun anyway. So, yeah. kind of a recap on the first hour, guys. We've been talking mostly about bug problems. You know, with the uh, army worms that have been horrible here in the mid south, and I'm sure uh, you know in Mississippi, central Mississippi, known for the down, they've been bad down there. Japanese beetles. You know, have been horrible this year. Uh, crate myrtle bark scale, <clears throat> you know, it seems like, um, you know, people, most people 
know and understand what crepe myrtle bark scale is now. And, of course, they know how to treat it, typically with a tree and shrub insect drench, you know, the imidacloroprid mm-hmm. that they just pour around the trunk of the tree. But it seems like, you know, they, and they really want you to do that once a year, or they, they know it lasts for at least a year after you treat a crepe myrtle. Well, in my opinion, it seems like it's lasting up to sometimes two years. So it seems like y'all were getting all these people coming into the garden center talking about crepe myrtle bark scale, like really on a two-year basis mm-hmm. now instead mm-hmm. of every year. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 And I, I, and I hear you know, they, they've been spraying the, the forest over in particularly North Carolina and that area for the uh, uh, woolly aphid that's attacking the hemlocks. And they're getting up to three years control over good. there. Oh, on that's it. so good. Yeah, so it's it's an excellent product for that. Now, you know, it, it's great for the crepe myrtle bark scale, but it's not going <clears> to <throat> stop the, the Japanese beetles from eating Kenneth's flowers. Mm-hmm. No. Okay. <laughs> no. The, the unusual thing about imidacloprid is it doesn't move well into the reproductive parts of plants. Um, so it's... Uh, if you spray your or treat your roses with it, they'll eat all the foliage off. But they, you know, if they eat the flowers, they'll uh, they're fine. They're fine. They'll go to another one. And same thing with my crepe myrtle blooms. They all, you know, the, there was not a leaf that was eaten. It was just mm-hmm. just the bloom because mm-hmm. the systemic was in the leaf because it can go that far. But the stem right. systemic and does not go into the flower basically. Right now, some yeah. other ones like asaphate does exactly the opposite, which it is moves, a systemic insecticide. It moves by well into the flowers and tips uh-huh. of plants uh in fact it, the concentrations are much much higher in the new growth than it is in the old growth so, so. the as- acephates the older one we and then a metachlorpid is the other systemic yeah yeah, it's yeah. right and there's so, some other similar ones um, yeah wow now i didn't know that about the acephate that it went all the way through to the blooms and then mm-hmm. the other doesn't Oh, and the acetate is like the old-fashioned orthene. Yeah. Um, you know, or, I keep wanting to say what it smells like, but I just can't say that on air. <laughs> yeah, you can. There's but, with you, broccoli. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I was told one time that it smells that way for a reason so that you know you're around it. Yeah. Well, uh, you do know. But there is, sure. a, there is a formulation of acetate that's used in hospitals for insect control. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then there's good. a yeah. powdered acephate, uh for like, fire ants, uh, like mm-hmm. surrender. Uh, yeah. It comes in a can that is yeah. great for fire ant mounds, you know. So yeah, a pound of that'll do a hundred plus mounds. Yeah. And so uh, if you're looking for the acephate, it's under a lot of different names, but there's yeah. boni. Boni systemic it? insect spray yeah. is the way we carry it. Yeah. Because yeah. sometimes it's hard to go up to the shelf and read every ingredient yeah. on all those products. Mm-hmm. So, and then again, if you go to an independent garden center, they're more likely going to know what you're saying at that time too so yeah. anyway the we were talking about the systemics and the two-year thing on, on the crate myrtle crate myrtles down. and then and so and you that's said another th- thing that's not going away by the way right. i mean it's here to stay and uh then you were saying on the hemlocks they're getting like almost three-year control three years control and jim how i'm sorry go ahead, uh, well my thing was um it's a good thing because i'm organic again and you think of spraying the chemicals and all that that in some way, it disturbs the balance or maybe offsets the balance a little bit. But 
when y'all have these these products that used to have to spray every six months to have control, now they're becoming to where it's every two years or every three years to get control. That's fantastic because even that I'm organic, you still, how are you going to control those problems organically? Yeah, You're not. And, and the nice thing about that, when, when something is going to last that long, you know mm-hmm. it's not moving out of your soil. Yeah. So it's pretty much staying where you sprayed it. Mm-hmm. In fact, they did, uh, in North Carolina, they did uh, water test. Uh, across the state to see if any of it was getting into any of the water uh, through uh, going downstream. And, and you're saying they're spraying these out of planes also, they're, Jim. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and they, they found yeah. none. So and, and, and what kind of... stays where it's at. And what, well, what kind of insect is this that we're talking it's about? It's an aphid. I said aphid, I think, uh, but it's an edelgid. It's, uh, oh, it's the edelgids. It's, it's, yeah, it's an aphid-like <laughs> creature that gets inside. It's the same thing um, that... Uh, well, it causes things that look like, if you're familiar with pecan phylloxera, causes little knots mm-hmm. on the foliage. And and how, I mean, and they're mostly on what kind on of? On hemlocks. Okay. Yeah. That's, Which that's, we don't. Do you know there's one or two around Memphis, isn't there? Yes, but, you know, you go over in North Alabama and they're huge oh, trees. Oh, I did not know. You know? Mm-hmm. They're you can't lose they're beautiful. them. Well, I get, and the reason I was asking, I'm, I'm hoping that that's not an insect. That's going because I mean, you know usually when you have it out on the east coast we eventually get it it seems like mm-hmm. uh, and you know you're mentioning hemlocks I wonder if there are other trees that we have around here that this particular insect is going to you know like I, I like this tree also mm-hmm. what was that cute name of it again it's it's a woolly Adel- Adelgid Adelgid mm-hmm. you're such an Adelgid you know <laughs> and, and, you know and think about you know and one thing I think they've done a good job on in trying to keep out of the mid south uh, here in the Memphis area is the boxwood blight that we've seen so much of yeah. uh, in the Carolinas and so forth. Uh, and far as I know, Jim and Veda, you know, we haven't had any outbreaks here. Yeah. I'm not saying we haven't had a, you know, one had case here, here right? Yeah. But I haven't seen any outbreaks here of boxwood blight, which I think would be horrible if it does finally get here to the Mid-South. Yeah. The thing we're watching right now is the, the boxwood tree moth, you know, that's... Uh, Luckily, we don't have huge areas of boxwoods for them to go through like they do in uh, Saunders and other places and over in Europe. So it's, um, but I have heard that, uh, you know, UT is putting out traps just to monitor them. Mm -hmm. Uh, May as well, right? Just (laughs) to see if they catch any. Just come on over everything. We're such a great place for uh, fungus and diseases. You could not live in in Mid-South in a better place for insects and diseases. Yeah. Yeah, So don't give up, y'all. It's just part of it. Well, in my (laughs) case to point, remember when crepe myrtle bark scale first started six or seven years ago, a lot of people went out there with a chainsaw and just cut the crepe myrtles down. They're like, right. I'm not going to deal yeah. with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's really easy to, you know, to treat, uh, you know, just m- make your solution, pour it around the trunk of the tree and go about your business. Uh, and, you know, you're not going to have the scale. You're not going to have the sooty mode that's associated with the scale. And you can still have these beautiful crepe myrtles out there. And think about it. You know, we are here in the south. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. crepe myrtle is, is is our national tree, right? <laughs> yeah, Where you go like up it. north, you know, you see the beautiful lilacs up there. But, you know... I hate it for the people to go out there and cut the crepe myrtles down just mm-hmm. because of an insect that we never used to yeah. have. Well, you know, sometimes they say just pinch it off, cut it off, yeah. get rid Move of along. it. But a crepe myrtle all the way down to the ground. But now we're learning, so it's not um, such a detriment to the crepe myrtles as we thought right. they were going to be. Yeah. The first year, everybody was like, 
oh my goodness, what? And the whole entire crepe myrtle is turning black. And that's when a lot of people, like I said, were getting the chainsaws out and mm-hmm. cutting them things down to the ground. Yep. Got a garden question? Give us a call, 844-747-8866. We'll be happy to have We got, uh, uh, for those that are joining us for the first time, Veda Vance is with is the manager of Palladio Gardens, and we have Kenneth Mabry, who's the manager over at Dan West. And and you got this little fat garden guy here. Um, Where? I'm retired. I don't see that. I'm retired, and, and I do the Facebook group, uh, Mid-South Gardening, which we invite you to join. Uh, a few questions there, answer them. Um, because it's a different kind of group, um, yeah, but it's great. What we do is we don't uh, we don't do links. You know, we this is real gardeners answering questions from their experience. Mm-hmm. It's not pretend gardeners looking up stuff and trying <laughs> to give it to somebody cut, else. Cut paste, cut yeah. paste. That's you know that's not what we do. So no. we are a little different than most groups, and uh, we welcome you to join. And okay. what's the name of that again? Mid South Gardening. You know, and don't get thrown by the name. Mid South Gardening is is you know what we are. But uh, insects and diseases, wherever you are, are pretty much the same thing. The cures are the same thing. Uh, a little different plant material when you're going across the country. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's nothing that uh, most of us, you know, having been in the business forever, mm-hmm. uh, are, are used to, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's the nice thing about this particular program. You're going to find you got three people here who have done this all of their lives mm. uh we've yeah. seen problem we've answered hundreds of thousands of questions and we'll be happy to answer yours okay. right so we are answering gardening questions after the break so give us a call 844-747-8868 good morning and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. If you have a gardening question, give us a call at 844-747-8868. And how else can they find us? Y'all? You can go to Facebook Live, the Mighty 990, Miss Veda. And there you are. You can shoot us a text, uh, which uh, I know we've got David. Hang on just a second. Uh, but we've got other questions on uh, the Mighty 90. And we'll get to those in just a minute. And you can go to kwmradio.com and stream us live anytime. Yep. And check out our gardening, our Facebook garden page, Mid-South Gardening. All right, now that y'all got that, let's get to the meat of it. David, good morning, David. Good morning, everybody. Hey, hey Dave, my friend. Good morning to you, buddy. Congrats on the extra hour. Thank hey, you. Thank you very much. Depends on who you're asking yeah. today. We are nationally syndicated radio hosts now. How about get that? Out of here. That sounds get so good. I need to I need to I need to uh, disguise my voice in case the FBI is listening. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Good thing we're n- announcing this now, so you'll know. Dave, all the good work yeah. you do for your neighbors and your sweet—I uh, guess you, you used to cut your mom's yard all the time. I mean, no one's after yeah. you. I promise you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I I, I miss her madly, uh, obviously still. Yeah, of um, course you do. Yeah. What's going on um, this morning, buddy? At last we spoke. As you remember, I was pretty happy. We get, we we got the moles on their heels with the um, ultrasonic as well as the castor. Right. It looks like it, at least, and I my curb appeal is is great. So I was happy. So I wake up one morning and I walk out and I see this line of holes about uh, uh, the the same size as the diameter of a quarter. Now you mentioned that months ago to me, but I only saw one or two first now god it, it's about eight nine of them oh maybe they were just uh-huh. aerating your lawn actually that's true mm-hmm. what's aerating my yard there are cicada exit holes 
Cicada oh. or cicada? Whatever. Okay. Tomato, tomato. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, okay. You know, and things that scream at night. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And all yeah. day That's if you are. have ringing in you your know, ears. We hear so much about the periodical cicadas that are cicadas that, you know, every 13 or 17 years. But there are what we call annual ones that live two to seven years or so. And every year about this time, you'll get some to come up. Okay. And that's what they are. You can always tell one because they, they don't have any, there's no soil outside the hole. Um, you mean on the top of them? Right. Really? When they coming up, th- when they're coming up through the soil, they secrete a fluid that actually cements the wall of the exit hole. So it stays there a long time. And particularly like right now, where they've had over in the, the East Coast, billions of them come up from the 17-year cicada they had over there. Yeah. Those holes will stay there a good bit of time, and some of those are quite deep. And they're measuring, they're doing tests now to see how much gas is coming out of those, how much carbon's being released. Mm-hmm. But they are actually aerating that soil. You've got organic matter falling into those holes. Mm-hmm. So they are an important part of the ecosystem. So you're saying don't worry about the hole. Don't worry about the holes, yeah. They're, yeah. Just, uh, they're just coming out, and you hear the little boys. They're the ones singing. So, yeah. Oh, I hear them every time nightfall yeah. around. Oh, it's, uh, oh it's when healthy. I was growing up and you started hearing those, that meant it was time to start getting ready for bed. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. When I was well, younger. That's yeah. a little early for me. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> but, when we were younger. <laughs> but but the, the good thing, Dave, it's, it's really not a big deal. I mean, you yeah. know, can you go out there and fill those with a little topsoil or compost? Absolutely you can, but they're not hurting anything. Yeah, cicadas don't do anything other than lay more eggs. You know, they go up. The female is rather interesting. It has a... Uh, part of the reproductive structure is like a razor blade. Mm. And when once they shed those skins, they'll go up and, and they'll slice a, ho- a slit in that in a limb, and they'll lay five or six eggs in there, and they'll do that a number of times. And they'll hatch out then and fall to the ground, bury down in there, and start the whole cycle That's over That's amazing. Again. Yeah, they really are kind of cool creatures. Yeah, yeah that, the, only, the only thing that I don't like about them is that I was out working um, once, and I felt something. I said, "What?" And I just kind of brushed it off a little bit, and it was a big old cicada on my neck. <laughs> yeah. Hello. So, yeah. That wasn't real fun. No, no. Let, me, let, yeah, let me tell you this story now. That's a, the, I, I've never liked them. This I think is a they great scre- story, I, David. I think they scream, big and I eyes. do not like them. Mm-hmm. Well, I was sitting in the backyard one time many years ago, and I heard one, and I saw it land on the on the side of a tree. So I grabbed my BB gun from inside, you know, and th- thought, I'm going to shoot that sucker so i lined that thing up and shot through it and shot, pulled a shot and it didn't move I thought, well i missed so i'm gonna shoot again so i lined up again and when i looked down the site there was a hole right through the abdomen of that cicada yeah and he hadn't moved and then all of a sudden he comes off the tree does kind of a little circle in the air and lands in my hair oh hilarious <laughs> yeah. he's pissed i'm scared yeah we're both screaming shooting a gun up in the air at this point yeah. this it was a traumatic experience hey i just can't believe you that, that happened to you <laughs> but hey what's the moral of that story i can just, shoot a locust in the abdomen yes from I, a long way I, I, I walk around them now because i think they may remember mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah there's yeah. the Grumpy yeah, gardener is what they say. 
just before it left the, the, the earth, it was going to make sure you remember this. Yes, yes. Uh, it did. <laughs> but anyway, well, thanks. That's good to know. I thought there was another um, vermin that was under that that made uh, the size of a quarter mm-hmm. as well, but uh, maybe I was wrong. No, was, you're, in, a, you're in good shape, but, Dave. Okay, good deal, guys. Thanks for all you do again. Thanks, Thanks David. Thanks for have calling, a great dude. weekend, brother. I, I mean, now, and, and vole holes, to be honest. I mean, they have this size. I mean, they're the size of about of a quarter also. Yeah, but, but they're seldom, usually around a plant. Yeah, yeah, you seldom see them out in the open. Right. Voles are very scared of night predators like um, owls and that yeah. sort of mm-hmm. thing. So um, they, like they the seldom come out. Yeah. It's incredible what happens in nature at night. All right, we're going to take a break. So give us a call, Good morning and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. If you have gardening questions, call us 844-747-8868. You can uh, stream us online at kwamradio.com and you can also listen to our podcast and you can post questions to our Facebook yep, page. The Mighty 990 uh, on Facebook. In fact, we've got a few right here. Uh, let's go to the, let me back this up, Audrey uh, Fielding. Uh, she sent a text and says, is gold Ben Larope? Uh, the same as Big Blue. Okay, so first I say there's Lirope. Yeah. No, I say Lirope or Liriope. Liriope. And then Jim just said, no, there's Liriope. one other one. Liriope. I forgot about that. Yeah. Lirope, Lirope, Liriope. I say monkey You're grass. You're okay. the wrong syllable. I am saying the wrong syllable. <laughs> well, that's uh, even worse. <laughs> so gold band uh, can't be the same as Big Blue. No, and from what I've seen, it's just a variegated form, got a gold edge on it. Yeah. Um, and you, you treat know, them the same. Right. Same thing. Big Blue is just a larger growing, has a taller flower than standard Larapi mm-hmm. Muscari. Yeah. It's just a selection that uh, performs really well in the Mid-South. Yeah. That's what right. most of what you see you're, sold is. You're now. exactly right. And, and you know, it, it's not the old spicata varieties oh, that used gosh, to just no. spread like yeah. wildflower. I mean, it would get in everything. Mm-hmm. And then there's actually, and most of these have the blue blooms. Mm-hmm. When monkey grass blooms, most of them are blue. But there are some white. Uh, there's some white yeah. flower ones. Um, there's some, that bloom there, there's and a pink then, one. There's yeah, a, there several is. shades of purple. Right, I was going to say in the purples there. And just when we were talking about this, I just now remember this. And this comes from gardening in Texas in the early 90s. But it was so popular there. And She now was I, three. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. You're welcome. Um, they were the Liriope, Liriope. <laughs> but I actually have not seen them here or noticed. But we planted them in the center of all kinds of large containers. But they were like three feet tall. And and I only have seen them in Texas, but that well, was a long time ago. That's got to be the deal yep, because it, it just hit me. <laughs> well, I mean, that would be the thing to buy. You know, now you buy a cone-shaped boxwood, you know, mm-hmm. a lot. But this was the thing to buy where you had the big, tall leery open in the center, and then you did your pretty flowers around the outside. I just thought of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got to find that one. 
And then we also had a text, uh, guys, from Wendy Johnson. Uh, and this, there again, this is on the Mighty 990 Facebook page. Uh, we discovered rust on one of our common goldenrod. I know a fungicide won't cure it, but should we still apply it to prevent future damage? Mm-hmm. Question mark. Will this return next year from the spores? We would like to save the plant for our pollinators this fall. Uh, so rust on goldenrod, guys. Well, the first thing I want to know, are you watering with a sprinkler system that might be throwing water upon it? Mm-hmm. Um, but rust is, is, is fairly common. Yeah. Here's the question. Is it doing enough damage that it's going to hurt the plant? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because you're, you're trying to have flowers a little later in the season. If that's true, then, yeah, I'd go ahead and spray. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't know you, my preference is a fixed metal fungicide mm-hmm. like Mancozeb. Or, or liquid copper, one yeah, of those. Liquid yeah, liquid copper, one of those. Yeah. those. Those work great for rust. And let me say this real quick, Jim. On Mancozeb, which was a combination of manganese and zinc. Yeah, mostly um, manganese. I was talking to a bonide rep not long ago. Uh, Mancozeb might not even be available next year. I, you know, I had heard rumors about yeah, that and we'll for several see. years. Um, but, yeah, liquid copper, get out there uh, early morning or late in the afternoon, just not during the heat of the day, spray that gold rod down, come back in about 10 days, two weeks, and spray it again, and you can knock that rust out of there. And then, you if know. Ne- if need be. Right, if need be. And then next year you may not even get the rust because it all depends on the environment that's happening right. in this if environment. If this is your first year, you got it from somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. It could know, be. Yeah. People, people worry about that. They even, you know, people talking about get up all your leaves mm-hmm. from underneath the plant. Well, you're, you're just getting a fraction of the spores. Right. Most of it's on the soil. Yeah. You're not ever going to get those. And and they're they're coming in in the wind and being carried in the rain. So it's a nice gesture, but you're still going to have fungal spores. Right, right. Yeah, and then we've not had that intense heat for a long period of time intense heat and dryness which is what goldenrod likes so that way the environment's a little more susceptible to the rust so the rust is just disfiguring it basically but next year it can grow and be fine but if the environment's not conducive then you're not going to get it yeah so uh wendy so hopefully that will help you as far as rust on uh, goldenrod and then uh craig taylor uh texted and said good morning just checking uh, to see if we Heard about uh, Miss Gloria's husband, Mr. Jack, passing away. Jack Sparks was a um, one of the best volunteers that the Botanic Garden here has ever had. Uh, he and his wife have spent years uh, helping. Yeah, they were great uh, out there, and it's, it's it's a sad thing. Jack passed away this past week, and we give the family our condolences. Exactly, uh, and to Gloria. So, um, yeah, guys, uh, and I, you know, if you have any more text, uh, the Mighty Nine Ninety Facebook page. And we also uh, we want to welcome our newest affiliate to join us this morning, WNIX in Greenville, Mississippi. Yeah. That's AM 1330, FM 101.1, the talk of the Delta. We appreciate y'all j- joining us. And you can give us a call if you've got a question at 844-747-8868. Uh, and we invite you to call. You can also invite you to join our, our Facebook group, Mid-South Gardening. Uh, we got about 7,000 members or so, and we get... You, you can post a question, or you can just post a picture and brag, uh, and you'll get comments within just a matter of mm-hmm. seconds. I'm telling you. But if you get on there, Jim, which I, every time I open my phone, there it is, you know, you get caught. I mean, because there's so much mm-hmm. great stuff there, on there and there great is. questions and great pictures. And, and so you're just scrolling, you know, because it's just so much to know. I'm yeah. telling and you. And we have a file section there that talks about fruits and that sort of thing. So pick out the varieties that are suited for your area. 
Uh, so it's uh, it's a great uh, it's a great asset for gardeners, and mm-hmm. uh, we urge you to join. Okay, there are some questions you need to answer. Um, do that. Uh, otherwise, I ain't letting you in. Yeah. Okay. So there. So like say, you know, it's it's a it's not a not, not a democracy. It's a dictatorship. <laughs> I'm in charge. Okay. Please. <laughs> well, yeah, but there's so much false information, and not that people are doing that on purpose, but there's so many things to pull information from now that you're not getting yeah. really accurate. You're getting part of it. So this is this. Facebook page is good for the conversation to sort out right. and listen to other people. If you're getting issues. advice from an article in a magazine or a paper, you're depending on down the, the wrong depending road on the magazine and the paper. Right, right. Yeah. most of them you're heading down the wrong yeah. road. <laughs> <laughs> I true. am surprised because I've even read some publications that I thought would have been uh, more accurate mm-hmm. and some things that were really controversial. No, that's not the right word, but, yeah. you know, just didn't quite to go together. So it's research. And so, like, if you're reading all these things and then you tune into the show or the Facebook page, it just helps you discern what you read that's as right. well. And but we love your questions. There's never any question that's silly. You know, you mentioned a tall grass a minute ago. One, uh, I've seen Crystal Falls Mondo. It's an Ophiopogon mm-hmm. that gets quite tall. And that yeah. makes a great container plant to, for your, your spiky kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, how tall does that get, though, when you say In tall? a container, 24, 30 inches. See, wow. that, yeah. was, that was yeah. what the height was. Yeah, it's but a tall mondo. I think mondo. it was an Ophiopogon. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, look under that first. Crystal Falls, great, great plant. Uh, also, real quick, guys, before we go to the break, uh, Craig Taylor, the gentleman that uh, texted us a while ago, uh, Craig was one of the guys that won the first place in the heirloom uh, All the, right. the fourth, the fourth annual tomato contest yeah. that we were, of course, uh, you know, judges of. Uh, Craig Taylor won the uh, first place in the heirloom and the heaviest tomato. And I remember seeing this tomato. Three pounds, 11 ounces. Unbelievable. It looked like a coconut. Oh, man. Uh-huh. I would love to have seen that. Yeah, you I was Make almost ask. two sandwiches. Almost two. <laughs> oh, my word. So you better thick piece of tomato on that sandwich. Oh, my goodness. That's, oh, yes. so that's great. I was going to ask you. That was actually the top of my list since I was out of town. And no, I wasn't. I couldn't do it that day. And then the next weekend I was out of town. So I didn't get to hear any tomato contest fun stuff. Yeah, he, she didn't join us this year. Uh, you know, we were off last year because of the plague. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, but Veda was there the year before. And I was there and enjoyed it so much. And. And mm-hmm. uh, they invited Kenneth, and and you know, I, mm-hmm. I don't know if I really want to do that. And I, yeah, Kenneth, you're gonna have a great time. And he did, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, he but, loved it, it. but but it's That's one of those awesome. things where there's two things that I never want to get sick of eating. That's barbecue and tomatoes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So purposely, I only eat barbecue like maybe once or twice a month because I never want to get tired of mm-hmm. eating it because I love it. Same thing with bacon, <laughs> right? Well, tomatoes. Fit in that category also, and I'm thinking, okay, if, if I'm a judge at the tomato contest, and I'm sitting here gnawing on a hundred different tomatoes, uh-huh. I'm going to get sick of tomatoes and maybe never eat them again. Mm-hmm. And I did not want that to happen, so, but it did. But, but you're it. all they good. They were good. Every one of them was great. Great yeah. contest. And so, and let's see. So we've great got. Great people involved. Yeah. Well, who who uh, won? Does anybody win? But Yeah, there really was an overall. There was an remember. overall. It was a cherry yeah. tomato. Yeah. Uh, that it was five judges, and I'm mm-hmm. telling you, out of the hundred and something tomatoes that we, you know, tasted, Nibbled on, four out of five judges picked the same tomato as the best oh. tomato. You know, one, of the, one of these, one of the judges was a federal judge. Mm-hmm. You know, she's great. You know, so Valerie. She, 
doesn't have a whole lot of experience yeah. eating tomatoes like you know uh-huh. or, or growing them so it was uh and plus we had ben dieter here from the station yeah uh it was it was it was really great a lot of fun and that's the the memphis area master gardeners put on the great tomato contest and uh, we were lucky enough to be judges and really enjoyed mm-hmm. it. But it was amazing to me that four out of five judges out of that many tomatoes yeah. pick, was, pick the same right. tomato that tomato. tastes absolutely the best. Because I don't think that had happened when I judged, that there was like no. almost unanimous. Well, yeah, when we crazy. were there. Yeah. But the Great Tomato Contest is going to be an every year thing. <clears throat> so And you can come join. Yes, definitely. No matter where, <laughs> where you are, you it's not. It's just not a Memphis tomato. Yeah. It's there's a, a lot of cool stuff going on. They got master gardeners there to answer questions. So mm-hmm. you know, next uh, July, uh, please, please come. All right, and then we've got fall coming up. That's going to have a lot of activities going on too. But we should go to a break, and on the break, we'll be answer. Well, after the break, we'll answer your gardening questions if you give us a call at eight four four seven four seven eight eight six eight. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. If you have gardening questions, give us a call toll-free at 844-747-8868. You can watch us Facebook Live. Stream us on time, anytime at uh, kwamradio.com. Mm-hmm. Um, podcast. Your, your gardening team here this morning is Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and me, Jim Crowder. Uh, we are in the gardening business, have been forever. And uh, we're looking for your questions mm-hmm. this morning. So give That's us a call right. if you've got, got about uh, army worms or anything. Yeah, and we got new times uh, from 6 to 9. We used to do 6 to 8, but now mm-hmm. we're 6 to 9, so we got another hour. We've got an expanded uh, format, which we're real happy about. And, Jim, you said we have an affiliate station we this do. morning. We do, a brand-new affiliate station that's joined. We want to thank them. That's uh, WNIX AM 1330 and FM 101.1 out of Greenville, Mississippi. Uh, they are the talk of the Delta. We huh. appreciate them joining the uh, Mid South Gardening. Is Mississippi questions going to be different than no. Tennessee? And there's questions. not, you know, and of that's course the thing, not. But that's you know, what we want you to know. Everywhere the problems are the same, the cures are pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's it's not like you're, um, you know, don't don't let Mid South Gardening scare you off because it's uh, it's it's uh, problems are the same everywhere. Yeah, you yeah. know, you can get a flu in any state. Yeah. But sometimes you can ana- analyze it why you got it in that particular area. And it's just like plants. You can get aphids in any state, you know, and it's pretty much the same answer. Yep. But uh, we all three are familiar with different zones and, and we have worked with other people from different zones and all. So we can discern what's going on in the different zones. Yeah. Yeah, you you may be planting tropicals <laughs> in your yard, but, you know, we use them in containers mm-hmm. here. So but we, we grow them the same. We, mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, I guess it doesn't, uh, you know, from the Mid-South, uh, from Memphis area, uh, you know, a lot of things don't change until you start getting almost to, you know, south of Jackson, Mississippi, even yeah. towards Hattiesburg, to right. be honest with you. Uh, now, yeah, can you grow maybe some, uh, you know, centipede in St. Augustine easier uh, in Jackson, Mississippi than you can Memphis? Mm-hmm. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, but it's, it's still going to be there again about the same. Well, when I go to Louisiana and hang out with my aunt and uncle and I have a lot of property and we go, you know, that's what you do, walk through the yard and look at everything and everything's the same but different, you know, because it's pretty. That's Veda. You're going to learn to love her. Same but different. (laughs) (laughs) Same but different. Okay, same plants, um, but different environment. 
in a way. So some of the things that she has issues with, we don't really have it that much. Her Columbine looks fantastic at her place, but in Memphis, for me, I've never got it to look quite as fantastic in the yard as she can. But, you know, that's just different zones, but they all grow. If you looked at the Facebook group this week, I posted pictures of a a little dwarf columbine that uh, I'm growing now. It's got uh, yellow flowers, and the hummingbirds really like it because it stands straight up. Mm. Flower points up. Instead of down. Yeah. It's a cute uh, little thing, uh, only about seven or eight inches tall. Does a hummingbird get to it when it's in a container, or does he actually get that low? No, it gets that low. Of course, they're in in raised beds, so they're a little little bit. bit. But, uh, you know, they (laughs) zip around there and right at ground level. Well, you know, I never thought about the fact that a hummingbird would get that low to get nectar, but that will explain how my cat got a hummingbird because I know she wasn't flying through the trees, right. my cat. She might have been sitting in there, but yeah, you know, my, so they're my, flying low. Uh, Wheeler humming su- hummingsuckle. Honeysuckle. Yes. Yeah. That one? Yeah, it, you know, <laughs> it has blooms all the way to the ground, and you'll see the hummers oh. you know, down there feeding on them. Mm, that's scary. Well, Good predator. And of course, you can see, all, everybody's probably seen the videos of you know the, the giant praying mantis, oh, you know, sitting a, there on mm. the hummingbird feeder waiting yeah. for the hummingbird. And sure enough, you watch this video. Here comes Mr. Hummingbird. And this thing jumps on this bird. We're talking about a praying mantis. I'm like, that's amazing. What in the heck is going on? I don't you know, know if I could watch that. Yeah, that's it just doesn't too, happen that often. Yeah. No, but just, I'm just saying, that but, was, but I mean, we all love to have praying mantis around the house mm-hmm. because they are a natural predator for other insects. But if it clearly they're fearless, they'll jump on anything. Well, yesterday, one of the ladies was bringing in the daylilies inside the building and taking off the old foliage and all. And uh, this daylily was about a foot tall and had real thick, thick daylily leaves, not a little thin daylily leaves. And all of a sudden she was like, not yelling, not screaming, but just like, oh, my word. And she backs off. I almost pruned a praying mantis in half. It was huge. Yeah. Just, and sitting up there on, on the daylily and so beautiful. So I took the daylily outside ca- cautiously because I didn't want him to jump off in the building. <laughs> or s- on her. Yes. I mean, I have to say when they're kind of that big, they're kind of creepy. So I set it back down over there, and then I started taking pictures. And I promise, he turned his head and looked at me this way. He's like, I'm going to get he you next. He turned his head. Mm-hmm. No, he was modeling. He's thinking lunch. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Blinking his eyes at me. And I keep trying to take a picture. She found that, she found that big old slug, took it in, and let it crawl across her desk yeah. and stuff. And yeah, I, mean, yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah, I had the slug, the leopard slug day and the big praying manna day. <laughs> she says, you know, so what am I supposed to do with it? you're Talking to the wrong guy because uh-huh. it been dead. Yeah, yeah. He <laughs> said I'd here. kill it, and then I was like, well, "Jim, you were just playing because you know they don't. Do, they're gardener. They're garden friends, actually. But if I didn't know Jim, I'd. Yeah, they. You know, but I still don't want them in my yard. Oh, they're yeah. so. But well, you know, I, you I, do I down, accidentally touch I put them. down iron phosphate about twice a year, and I have virtually no damage from. And slugs. that's a great yeah. product because back in the old days, and I know we got thirty seconds. You know, mm-hmm. it was um, snug, snug, snug. <laughs> you got snug. my problem. Slug and snail baits were extremely toxic to dogs mm-hmm. and cats. Where iron phosphide, the products that we use now, completely safe. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Good thing is we have got another hour to go, so stay tuned, and we'll be right back.
the garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. This is our third hour. We're so glad to be here. And um, y'all get us. Give us a call, 844-747-8868. Got a question about anything in your garden? We can do it. Yeah. Do you have a question about how to water, how to do your irrigation? What type of plant do you want to use? What's that hole in the ground? (laughs) Any of that. Just give us a call. And, of course, the Mid-South Gardening Podcast, that's uh, kwamradio.com. And you can go to the Mighty 990 Facebook page and see Miss Veda and shoot us a text. So a lot of different ways to get in touch with us this morning, guys. And again, we want to welcome our newest affiliate to join us, um, WNIX, AM 1330 and FM 101.1, the talk of the Delta from Greenville, Mississippi. That's awesome. Who's our Greenville, Mississippi caller today? You've got to have some Mississippi questions. Oh, heck yeah. yeah. (laughs) All right. So um, I want to go with my favorite plant of the week because <laughs> there's no favorite plant for a gardener hardly i can't ever pick one but um the one i'm liking is the showy joey viburnum showy joey yeah now Catch viburnums name. we've used what's like the most prevalent viburnum we started eastern using? snowball yeah eastern snowball and then yeah. there was the prog which i really don't like the prog and then some of the real that. fragrant ones you know the carlicias and the mm-hmm. davidias mm-hmm. and those and so forth sweet but bouquet Sweet bouquet. So many viburnums yeah. out there. Well, this one I like because it's about, it gets about eight feet tall. And so it's a good, good um, space taker upper, sun, I guess you sun could Sun loving, call. I'm assuming. Vader. Yeah, sun loving, Deciduous. shade, it does lose its leaves. But it gets about eight feet tall and takes up a good space. It, at first I'm like, oh, it's a good replacement for a holly, yeah. except for a holly is evergreen. But this one also will have red berries in the fall. Beautiful. They call it snowy because it just looks like snow's covering it in the springtime. Uh, drought resistant. It's great for wildlife. Good for hedges, specimen plant. And it's after established, definitely drought to- tolerant because we've had it in the garden center and in containers. And it's on the outer area of the irrigation. So it doesn't get as much as like the stuff in the center. And it, it doesn't care. It's I, doing great. I think uh, viburnums are underplanted shrubs, to be honest they are. with you. Uh, because, I mean, first, uh, there are so many different varieties out there. Uh, and some of them are extremely fragrant. Um, and they're not all deciduous. There are some evergreen varieties out there. But you mentioned the eastern snowball viburnum. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the, the old-fashioned, big, ball-shaped. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hydrangea-like exactly. white flowers. Which they call... This uh, hydrangea, sometimes people think it is. Yeah, I think it's a snowball. But you're talking about easy to grow. Uh, yeah. I mean, they're, and what about the Chinese viburnum, um, Chinese snowball? I mean, it's got the ball-shaped also. Yes, they're, they're smaller flowers. Not but quite as big as the yeah. eastern snowball, right. right? It blooms a little different time. has more of a, the limbs tend to grow perpendicular to the ground. Mm. So they, it has oh. kind of a layered look to it. Uh, is it's that like very attractive. Double file, double, double file, file does is that too. okay. So yeah. I've, I've the double file so it cool has too. smaller blooms. They're yeah. not you know ball shaped like the eastern and the uh, the Chinese, but all viburnums. I mean, when they're blooming, they're absolutely yeah. beautiful. Yeah. So y'all should really just like I said all viburnums, spring bouquet. 
Yeah. I think that's the name yes. of it, spring bouquet. I like the leaves on it. It's different looking. Yeah, you know, when you're in your nursery and you see a viburnum, look it up on the internet on your phone yeah. because viburnums don't look just fantastic in a container. Yeah. Right. You know, they're right. young. They have sparse foliage. When they're in bloom, you can mm-hmm. sell the bejesus out of them, set them on the front porch yeah. of the nursery, and they go right out the door. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they're not they're not like a holly full of green growth yeah. and so forth. So you need to look at one a mature specimen to get an idea of what it's going to grow like. And they're, they're just super plants, just terribly underplanted. You know, one thing, of course, you know, we in, here in, in our area, we have this evergreen mentality. You yeah, know, we if do. It, if it dies in the wintertime, I don't want right. it. Right. You know, and it's not dying. <laughs> it's just dropping its leaves. You, know? you do imitations, <laughs> too. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so definitely go with some viburnums. Check those out. Because they're right, they are underplanted, and it's just uh, a good thing to go with. Yeah. Um, I tell you another neat plant that makes yeah. me, when I when, when you mention viburnum uh, beta, it makes me think of mock orange also. Oh, oh yes. Philadelphia, love that plant. Me too. And, and that is to, to me, that's another shrub, uh, beautiful spring bloomer, white blooms, that is underplanted, mm-hmm. uh, and they're v- different varieties. Mm-hmm. Some of them are, are fairly, uh, you know, dwarf in size, and some of them get pretty darn big. Uh, but you know, remember the old mock orange uh, also. Now it's going to be very fragrant, exactly, mm-hmm. and it's still going to be early spring. Yes, yeah. With see, yeah, okay. I like the mock orange with the dutsias. Yeah, and they're all gonna, blooming the and same time. It's funny. Time. I was thinking dutsia also, and that's do, do, you know with some of the old fashioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, shrubs, whether it's uh, and there's different dutsias on the market also. Some are a dwarf, and some mm-hmm. get a little some bigger. Some get huge, like pinkaboo. Man, oh, it has pink huge. flowers, and that mm-hmm. thing gets huge. I had, yeah. in fact, I actually had to take it out of my garden because mm-hmm. it just overpowered everything. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. just, and it's still the root sprouting. Right. We had one that we were taking care of at someone's house, and first thing we did was prune it up into tree form. And then every year we would just take the uh, old stalk out, just trying to keep mm-hmm. it down to uh, a small yard manageable size. But it was a lot of labor. It is. You know, so you kind of got to go with the smaller ones maybe or let them grow natural. I've seen them all like a, a screen, the the mock orange and the is all growing together. So you see the gorgeous blooms and the difference of each plant then. But then when they're all finished blooming, it just looks like a native hedge of evergreens with no definition. You know, and it's there's so many, you know, and that's what's confusing to some people, though. There's so many plants and shrubs out there to choose from, um, you know. So that's why every landscape, uh, you know, let's say if you've got, you move into a new house, okay, and the landscape is, is being developed. Uh, and you've gone through two or three different landscape companies, and they, they give you different drawings. They're all different. Yeah. They're all fine, mm-hmm. but they're all different. And that's what confuses a lot of people because there's so many different variations and so many different ways that you can do a landscape yeah. and just using different plants, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and I guess it just comes down to, you know, just a matter of preference more than anything. Yeah, I think so, too. And I'm... I'm always looking for something else I can use instead of a holly. And so, but of course now hollies are evergreen, but like Jim said, they don't, your whole yard doesn't have to be evergreen because then you notice no change in season. Mm -hmm. I like it because I can see changes of seasons when you plant 
uh, versatile things instead of just all green hollies and all boxwoods. Now, when you say change of okay. season, you mean fall color? Yeah, you fall mean color, um, the seed, spring blooms, know. yeah, seed pods. Even in winter, the structure of plants without the foliage is pretty. Mm-hmm. You know, if you some people just look at everything as dead, but if you actually look at the structure of plants that lose their leaves, they're pretty. Well, mm-hmm. And I guess yeah. the way most people think, Vade and Jim, is... You know, and think about it, predominantly in the front of your house, you know, you're going to want evergreens. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying every shrub that you have up there has to be he's, an evergreen. He's one of them. Yeah, I know. He but, has the evergreen I know. mentality. But, but, he even <laughs> has the bald sheep mentality. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I do keep them trimmed. But we have to have all styles no, here, not, so not go ahead. trimmed, carefully manicured. Well, yeah. they're, they're, they're <laughs> so manicured, <good>. I should have <laughs> said. <laughs> Okay, but, manicured but you, your landscape. You really don't want a house, mm-hmm. and I say this, typically I wouldn't, you know, that mm-hmm. is just, let's say nothing but hydrangeas in front of the house, where in the winter, you know, they're going to drop yeah. every leaf they have, and you have nothing but sticks coming up. I resent that. <laughs> <laughs> I did that. I really did yeah. when we moved into our house. And uh, it was it was awful. It had, it had old rotted land, uh, railroad ties, mm. and it alternated wintergreen boxwood with golden euonymus. Most atrocious thing wow. I've ever seen. Yeah, you moved into that. I you know. did not plant that. I know. No, no, no. <laughs> it had to come out quick. Uh, <laughs> so Before the took, interior took all was that done. In, and I love hydrangeas, so I put a lot of hydrangeas in the front. Mm-hmm. But it is. It's a little naked looking yeah. during the wintertime, yeah, right. you know. Yeah, that's funny. So we came back with Sasanqua camellias in there to fix oh, that. fantastic so. look. <laughs> well, and you can do the, because um, I like the Annabelles in the background and oh. then the boxwoods in the front. Yeah. Because, I mean, that pretty. still gives a kind of formal, clean look. And then in the winter, when the Annabelles are not noticeable, you still have your boxwood there. So, you know, mm-hmm. that's kind of how you can play both because I'm sure those hydrangeas were gorgeous all down the front yeah, in, in and season. You mentioned structure. You know, I have a Sir Harry Lauder's walking, walking stick in a container. I love that thing. Me too. You know, it, to me, it's very unattractive, except in the winter. Yeah. Right? When it drops its leaves. Yeah. That's yeah. when I like it. Yeah. Right. Because <laughs> yeah. it's got all the gorgeous twisted. Um, twisted mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Because it's called a Harry Lauder walking stick because in the Ballville days, Harry Lauder actually used one of the uh, limbs from that tree, which is what's the, or- the organic name, the, the botanical name, uh, Phila Farfire or something. No, it's... Um, I'm messing up every time. Gosh. But anyway, yeah, you'll come Corliss up with... contorta. Yeah, yeah. So he got a branch from the Cortote. Cord- <laughs> Sir Harry Lauder's walking stick. Yeah, and then he started <laughs> using it in vaudeville acts and all so now when you see that tree that's how it's called harry lauder's walking sick that's the reason that's the story yeah, behind it that's wow the story behind it so um you just wouldn't believe the stories behind all our plants actually there's really good stories like how did they get here but i'm it saying is, but i'm is. saying if they could yeah. come up with an evergreen hydrangea guys you talking about heaven. There actually is one, Dacroa, which is related to hydrangea. Mm-hmm. It has beautiful little blue flowers on it. Yeah. Uh, it is blue. the most attractive plant for honeybees that I have ever seen. What's the name again? Dacroa. Okay. D-I-C-H-R-O-A. And you're saying it's, it's, it's related a, it, to it's the related hydrangea. It's related to It's evergreen. has small. The leaves look very much like a um, Annabelle. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's. But it, the fragrance is just astounding. 
astounding. What's our availability to get it? Oh, Where? I used to find it, and uh-huh. I think from Greenleaf Nursery, maybe cool. they were the ones that grew it. But it's it's really unique. Mm-hmm. And really, when we had them in the greenhouse, you could walk into any of the greenhouses and hear the bees because huh. they neat. were that many of them. See, on that reminds plants. me of abelias. Yeah, that bloom mm. in the summertime. Yeah. How how the bees just gravitate to yeah. them. And so, that's a whole nother topic. Yeah, yeah. and that bees if you go and, if you're on our Facebook group, which I enjoy ask you to join uh, Mid South Gardening. Uh, there is a hydrangea file, and there that plant is listed okay. on there as the evergreen hydrangea. All right, y'all, we got to get some of those. We got to find some. So if you're local, you can give us a call here at one nine zero one two six zero five nine two six, or you can do nationwide eight four four seven four seven eight eight six eight. Good morning and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. If you have gardening questions locally, 901 260. give my home phone number. 260 <laughs> Yeah, you can call that too. Yeah. <laughs> or toll-free, 844-747-8868. And that's uh, toll-free, 844-747-8868. And we got a new affiliate. Yes, this we morning, welcome uh, WNIX down in Greenville, Mississippi. That's AM 1330 and FM 101.1. Uh, the Talk of the Delta, we appreciate you joining Mid-South Gardening. Absolutely, man. And please invite your listeners to join our Facebook group, which is also a Mid-South Gardening. Yeah. Uh, it's a, a, a great asset, and we have lots and lots and lots of great gardeners that will answer your question in a heartbeat. Yeah. This yep. is and true. And remember, the local number here is 260-5926. 260-5926. And we did have a text on the Mighty 990 uh, Facebook it said, I saw a crepe myrtle that had white blooms with kind of reddish pink on the ends of the blooms, uh, looking like peppermint candy. Uh, do y'all know what the name of it is? And we were, we I mean, both it, all said, there's one called peppermint. Pepper, yep. Peppermint lace. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be peppermint lace. It could be uh, prairie lace. Prairie lace and then queen's lace. And uh, they all, they vary. They're both red and white variegated flowers, but they mm-hmm. vary as to which one has more white, which one has yeah. more pink, and how high they t- they grow, you know. In fact, I was just looking at, at a minute ago, there's a, there's a, well-known horticultural site called the Arbor Gate, and it said, "Do not plant crepe myrtles." Mm. You know, and huh? they're idiots. Yeah, uh, what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, they're saying they all grow twenty to forty feet oh, tall. They do not. Oh. They do not. We got them, and they only grow twenty-four inches tall. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, there's some that grow six to eight, ten to twelve. 15, I've got some 20. at Dan West right now that only get about four foot tall. Yeah, yeah same. You know? yeah. So it's one of these um, these know-it-all. Writers who have never gardened, and, yeah. and they got people that are doing research for them, and they're all idiots. Because you just so have to, cause you can just write, read anything, and then rewrite it. <laughs> um, well, see, that's what's good about three people because one person cannot experience everything. Yeah. So, with all three of us, you get a well-rounded thing, our uh, information, and. We're all pretty much on yeah, the same. Veda, you know, as I've said this before, Veda will give you a great organic answer. She is mm-hmm. heavily into organics and knows that. Kenneth is uh, very versed in synthetics, and and then I'm here to make sure they don't make a mistake. <laughs> right, and that's just how it works. <laughs> but you, you know, you you do. I'm a little bit of science. I was gonna say, can we just throw your little bit of science in there? That's right. Yeah. So if I want to go deeper, deeper, deeper into the question. 
Jim knows. Well, and Jim made a comment, you know, last weekend that kind of uh, stuck with me was, um, Jim, you'd either heard or read uh, something about Roundup. Uh, maybe being, you know, uh, yes, just kind of taken off the shelves or dissolved. For, for the homeowner market, it will be off in January of 2023. And, and that is a big deal. It's a real to big me, deal. it is. You know, and it's wrong because science behind all this, there's never been a case of cancer associated with it ever. Uh, but juries have said they believed that it was. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, juries are not a good judge. They're not scientists. It, well, the problem with, to me, with that is, Without Roundup, I mean, there are some really good weed killers out there, non-selective weed killers, whether it's organic or synthetic, you know, burnout being mm-hmm. organic, uh, decimate being uh, asynthetic. Uh, but they're not systemic like the Roundups right. are. And that, to me, that's the, the big deal. Because if you go out there with Roundup and you selectively spray what you want to kill, especially when it talks about weeds and grasses, uh, you're going to kill typically root and all. That's right, and uh, and you can use it in your flower beds because, and even in a vegetable garden, because it only uh, kills what it comes in contact with, and it doesn't right. move through the soil. In right. fact, it's really almost disactivated once it hits the soil. Pretty quick. But I, I, I'm just uh, I didn't know Jim if that was written in stone or is that something that could change? According or? to Bear, it, it is going to happen. They're going. They are. They have a, a no, new set of ingredients that they still haven't disclosed. Okay. But yeah, they're taking it off the homeowner market, and the and the reason is uh, the bulk of the thirty thousand or so cases where people are saying they got cancer, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma from from Roundup. Um, it, it's mostly homeowners. Okay, mm-hmm. it's not professional applicators. Mm-hmm. So you know, the thing is, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma is like the third most common cancer. Uh, each year, about eighty thousand people get it, and twenty thousand die from it. Yeah. So it's you know, but these people have got it, and they want to use Roundup, so they want to blame Roundup and mm-hmm. hopefully get a little money. But it's mostly the lawyers that are going to get money. Yeah. Well, so, it's kind uh, of like the amount that's used and how it's used and where it's used. I mean, I read a story about a guy that had a four-wheeler and he was pulling a tank of Roundup on the back and had a boom and he turned his four-wheeler over and knocked him out and the Roundup had been leaking and leaking and so he was laying in the Roundup. I'd bathe in it. It wouldn't bother me. Yeah, well, he didn't make it. But anyway, we'll go. It could be because he fell off the ATV. That could be. We'll be right back. morning welcome back to the third hour and um we've had lots of great questions you know we talk about roundup every once in a while and well we just talked about it there too and and you know i believe that it's just uh the amount and you said it was homeowners too which homeowners don't follow the label uh homeowners don't wear the proper uh protection when you're doing the roundup so that definitely makes your chances higher than a person a pesticide no operator. science to back that up yeah none and, whatsoever yeah the reason oh, that, that we're we don't um none you know no. this european study oh, that right, came yeah. out with the eleven thousand pages they looked at effect on embryos they looked at every aspect of it effect on your immune system your endocrine system mm-hmm. and there was no evidence anywhere whatsoever that Roundup ever causes cancer in anything. Yeah. Okay. 
So, and it's still so, going to be available for farmers. And, and, and right. what started this discussion was I was asking Jim, you had read some stuff where uh, they're potentially going to take a roundup, right. roundup off, off of the market, market by you for know, 2023 right. for homeowners. Uh, so we just hope that there's going to be some alternate products out there that's going to do, you know, the same job. Well, you know, my thing was, um, you know, I'm not a big roundup user because I'm just trying to limit with everything in life. I'm trying to limit the amounts of any little toxicity that that I'm going to use just for health reasons. And, you know, it could be a placebo effect, but it makes me confident I'm okay. But Yesterday, and I, I still use Roundup, but okay. So yesterday, here's here's how I balance my organic with my synthetic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's some weeds, right, in the garden center. Those mm-hmm. are mulberry weeds. Mm-hmm. You know, they I recede. Yeah. Well, I did. <laughs> I pulled the large ones. That was very satisfying. And they'll be back tomorrow. And then me. I pulled the medium size. Very satisfying. And this is a long area, and I'm not even supposed to be pulling weeds. I also got some other stuff to do. Then... I got the the um, hoe and I kind of scrubbed up the grounds for some of the little ones. And I'm looking and, and I'm looking. The seed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking and Tucked looking, and I said, you know what? Where's that roundup? So, so I split the difference. I still did my mechanical, organic, getting rid of all the big stuff, but then I spot treated all that little stuff. So, see, there, there's in the middle. I didn't use a lot, but. Gosh, what are we going to... So then I was like, what's the replacement? We've talked about that before. And I found something that I liked, but it's more agricultural. Mm -hmm. I mean, ag, ag chemicals. And then I was talking to y'all about it, and there is one that's for homeowner. And it was the weed out... What was it called? The, Cause the it fertilum. Has, yeah. Yeah, fertilum weed out with nuts edge control. Because I liked it because it's a pre-emergent and a post-emergent, mm-hmm. and it kills a lot of different weeds. Mm-hmm. So if you're an organic gardener, your goal is to use less of anything that's synthetic. And so with this, you've got it all wrapped up into one. Yeah. yeah but and the you big, don't have to spray three or four different products. Well, you're right. But the big difference, though, is uh, on something like a weed out with nuts edge control that's got soil frencher zone, I believe, and... Prodamine in it, Jim. Pro, yeah, prodamine. Uh, prodamine, mm-hmm. uh, which is a pre-emergent. That's more strictly for your lawn, uh, not for your beds. Where, as we know, you know, things like decimate, burnout, roundup, those type products that kill anything they touch. Uh, you know, you're selectively spraying those not only in the lawn, but you can use those in beds and in other places where. You know the the weed out with nutsatch control is strictly for a lawn, so Vay- that, that's Vayna the big difference. Is very health conscious, you know, and tries to, mm-hmm. as she said, rem- remove most of the things and you know that could could cause toxicity or any admirable <laughs> admirable thing, you know. But yeah, you know, it's like that saying I, I saw not long ago that said, you know, if you replace your coffee with green tea, mm-hmm. you reduce by 87% the joy you had in life. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but to who? But to what person? Yeah. You know, but that I is so true. That. I don't know. There's probably, what, 1% of people that don't like coffee? Because <laughs> it's so... But, yeah, within reason, I mean, you just you can make your choices. And we did yeah. get a text from uh, Mr. Mark. It says, well, burning an area kills seeds on the ground. You know, we've seen people burn, you know, lawns before. Quick burn. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it will kill the seeds that are actively laying there on the ground at that time. Most of it. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that you're not going to have, you know, weed seed blow back mm-hmm. in before you 
finish burning. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> for the next spring when the grass comes back out. But you know, that used to be a common practice, burning your Bermuda. Oh, yeah. Oh, which, God, yes. Which and and can, a lot of golf courses still do some of that. Yeah. And, uh, but now our problem is it's just you have to have a controlled burn, and that's about impossible. Yeah. So the, the bottom oh, no, line homeowner. is, yes, it would kill some seed, but it's not going to be the answer as far as keeping weed seed come up the next season, correct? Mm-hmm. That's right. You know, your best answer, is, particularly in lawns, is just get on a good pre-emerge program. Yeah. And, and you'll have very little f- things come up. Mm-hmm. Mostly it's where you edge. Okay, that's yeah. where you're going to no, break the barrier. Yeah. Uh, you know, we talked about so many times uh, the product, the thigh power, which is, is uh, dimension. Yeah, weeding, a high-yield weeding grass stopper. Yeah, yeah. Uh, great That product contains dimension, yeah. For, you know, under 20 bucks or so, you can do 3,500 square feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, and, and you can put it in your flower beds. You can put it on your lawn. Right. And it just saves you so much. Ground. And when would you start putting that down in the in the fall, Jim? Well, I, I'd do one in September. I'd Mid-September? Another, yeah, I'd do another one in December. Yeah. Do one in February and then mm-hmm. again in May. And yeah. if you'll get on that program and just stay on it, after you've been on it a year, you're not going to have anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you can keep doing it or reduce it a little bit or play it by ear, as uh-huh. they say. Right. Yeah. Um, so on the um, – because like a lot of stuff we do in our lawn now – is going to help us next spring. A lot of just about anything that you can do in the fall gets you ahead of the game for the springtime. Mm-hmm. Because if the springtime comes and we're all excited and all we want to do is put in plants and forget about all the other things. So if we take care of all that stuff in the fall or the winter, then you can have a more free spring, like well, a weed free spring within reason because you put out pre emergent. Yeah, and I'm, I'm a t- firm believer in pre-emergence, uh, no doubt about it. But just keep in mind when you do put a pre-emergent down, uh, you can't come back and put seed down, you know, behind that. And a lot of people make the mistake, and I'm telling you, it's, it happens every year. People will put a pre-emergent down starting around mid, late September, depending on the weather. And they'll put it on their entire lawn. Mm-hmm. But then they want to go back and put fescue yeah. seed down, you know, in the real shady areas up under the trees. And they wonder why no Seed has germinated. Yeah. Nothing comes up. Well, the pre-emergence down. Uh, and homeowners really forget that. So, yeah. it, And this is for people who want turf and just turf. Yeah. You know, there's nothing wrong if you want clover and dandelions and things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Know? And when you mow them, they all look good. Oh, I'm liking you so much now, Jim. You know, you know <laughs> I, I allow a little clover to come up, you know. For, for bees. Yeah. Um, it's not it, your whole lawn. But no, it's a nice not the whole clover lawn. patch. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it, that's okay. It's, you know. Well, it well, depends on who you ask. Long, yeah. Well, and that's yeah. the great thing about gardening. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. You know, you probably <laughs> wouldn't like it in your yard, and you may get mad if I got it in my yard. Yeah. I wouldn't and get, I would probably I, Here's like, where it goes. I don't care. <laughs> 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 and I wouldn't get mad and, if you got it in And I would yard. just love it. Yeah. You know, so, so this is three different approaches. <laughs> Um, but the but, pre-emergence definitely, definitely, yeah. definitely help as far as we control guys in your lawn. And especially, you know, years ago, we used to spray MSMA to kill crabgrass. Oh, Everybody, yeah. Anzar, Drexar, it's just the best product days. out there. Yeah, the good old days. But it has a lot of arsenic. It had a lot of arsenic in it. So the homeowners couldn't use it. The EPA mm-hmm. said, no, it's, uh, but, your homeowners can't use it anymore. Okay, it, was or, it was an organic arsenic. It's not going to hurt you. Go but right for whatever body. reason, Jim, you know, they took it off the market. Um, so, so, (laughs) and there are products out there now that will kill actively growing crabgrass. Um, quinchloric is one, um, sulfur is another one, but, 
But none of them are, are to me, are just as really as good as what the old MSMA used to be. So now, for the last 10 years, the best curative for crabgrass is a preventative, which is a pre-emergent that you put down. But keep in mind, the pre-emergent that you put down in the fall is more for the fall and winter weed seeds that come up. The same pre-emergent you put down early spring is for the spring and summer weeds that come up. And a yeah. lot of people get that confused. And, and the, the most important thing is, you know, when you put it down in the fall, those weeds you won't really see until next That's spring. Right. You know, henbit, mm-hmm. chickweed. Uh, Poana. Poana, annual bluegrass. Th- those things you want to, you've got to start early to prevent them. They'll germinate and sit there and be real little until we begin to get a little warm days and yeah. the spring just take off right. like mad. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so my thing is, is I would rather... Uh, put it out now, and then when next spring comes, that's not your first stress. Yeah, you know, because yeah. how how many people are just like, well, here comes the weeds, and my first job in my yard is pulling the weeds, <laughs> and I got so and see again because and I keep going the organic, not uh, synthetic thing because I want organic people to kind of understand too some of the thought process. If I'm putting down my pre-emergent now, which is a synthetic. When you say now, you mean in the fall? In the fall, yeah. which is a synthetic. But then I don't have to spray a lot of um, uh, herbicides later. So you're actually saving Mm -hmm. time and water, which is important, and just less work with something that's easy to do. So that's another way to keep your, because that's one of the big things about organic is how do you keep the weeds out? Mm -hmm. I understand your soil's great. Your lawn is great Mm -hmm. with all the organic products. It makes everything thicker. Mm -hmm. So weeds have a harder time. But weeds are here for a reason, mm. and so they're just not where we want them, and that's when we have to kind of go into that synthetic mode. Now, what are you doing, Veda, about, and I know we've got a, a minute before we go to a break, but what are you doing about container-grown plants right now as far as feeding? Now, yeah. are you yeah. using the organic, like, you know, flower tone, we plant actually, tone? Yeah, we mixed worm castings and plant tone together. There you go. And I've been going and, and sprinkling it in containers, even in the growing containers, just to give them some more energy to, to uh, deal with being in a container. But they're worm castings, which is great yeah. compost, and then adding that with some plant, uh, plant tone. tone. And then, of course, the Fox Farm Big Bloom. Yep, uh, liquid. Uh, yep. Used some of the Super Thrive before. Yep. And um, I love the Fox Farm soils. I love the Monrovia soils because they have all the organic matter in it. And the reason I was asking, because so many things start looking tired, you know, this time of year, especially in containers. Oh, those things I just yank out and throw away. (laughs) (laughs) And just start (laughs) over. start over. Okay, I know Jim's like, did she just say that? No, I thought he was talking about me. I was going (laughs) to (laughs) get things look tired. Yeah, (laughs) wake up over there. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah. Containers is fall. Everything's coming up, but we got to run to a break. Can we have four hours show? There we go. <laughs> Good morning and welcome back. We're almost over, but hey, we're never gone because you can listen to us on our podcast. Uh, you can also check us out on our Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening. Mm-hmm. Go to kwamradio.com. That's what Betty was talking about as far as the podcast. And, of course, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990 Facebook page. Uh, and, of course, you can give us a call, 844-747-8868, in, the, in a local call, which is right. 260-5926. Okay. I just got to say something technology-wise. 
I thought there was two different things, Mid-South Gardening Podcast and KWAMRadio.com. So you can hear the podcast when you go to KWAMRadio.com. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's so much easier because I'm going, hey, listen to our podcast. Oh, hey, stream us online at KWAM. <laughs> They're all the same thing, y'all. So I'm helping you out if you're over 50. Technology's <coughs> a little difficult for us. You're, over go, 50. you're going into dangerous territory. No, I see. Yeah, she <laughs> is. Did you see me slow down and look around mm. like, can y'all get me out of this real quick? Because I know I'm going in a bad place. Yeah. Anyway, back to gardening. You remember so, fried green tomatoes when she drove that car and just smashed that little Volkswagen? Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> that's old people. Don't, don't mess with us. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, man, when we went on the river uh, kayaking, and my son's 35, and he's like, well, I just don't want to not. I just want to do everything now because when I get older, I can't do it. I go, son, I'm 57, and I'm just paddling right along with you. And yeah. I go, and look at those ladies over there. They're probably 82, and they're out paddling us right now, so you're all good. Yes, yeah. <laughs> all and, right, so, oh, and unfortunately, did I just say my age? I mean, <laughs> yeah, you, you did. said 37, didn't you? Oh, that yeah, that's what it was. Okay, anyway, way it's all go, good. Go. That just means I have more knowledge because of my age, so there. Well, you know, we started this show off this morning about six o'clock talking about, and I, <laughs> we've only got like six or, six or seven minutes, but I want to talk about water again. Uh, it is dry outside, guys, uh, and it's, you know, no really chance of rain that I've seen for the next week or 10 days, and it's already been dry for the last two weeks. Um, so just make sure that you're out there making your rounds, checking the water, even if you have irrigation. And then when it comes to you know, uh, potted plants, they did mm-hmm. the y'all, um, and you've always done potted plants. You know, they're probably going to take a little more water than Indeed. established plants that are in your beds, okay? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we always say, you know, try to keep things moist but not wet. And all that means is keeping things hydrated but not keeping them sloppy, wet, muddy, wet. Uh, because we see a lot of dead plants out there and shrubs out there that actually get too much water. Uh, and I know people's heads swim when I say that, but uh, just don't forget about the water is all I'm saying. Well, you know, it's amazing because at the garden center, everything's going to dry out. It's just hard to keep things watered. And at people's yards. But how, this is how particular watering is. Everything gets dry constantly, but how come these 15 plants rotted? They're not a low water plant. It's because... I was gone for a week, and when they adjusted the irrigation, it wasn't set exactly the the way I had it. So the water was overlapping oh, yeah. in a section. So it was getting the double duty of watering, and then everything else was getting like the single watering. So where it was overlapping, plants got overwatered. Mm-hmm. So sometimes your irrigation can be overlapping in sections. Well, and in my house. And it's soggy there, but dry on the outer edges. Yeah, and in my house, you know, the irrigation is my garden hose. And, you know, I've got a somewhat established plants out there, but I still go out there and I'll just soak those things. I mean, I let the water just soak. But I do, I water deeply, but I water somewhat infrequently. I'm not out there doing that every day, of course. Um, so just be careful, you know, and hopefully you've got good drainage out right. there or you created good drainage on the shrubs that you planted well, also. Well, Jim, you've had um, existing beds and then new beds all that how's mm-hmm. your watering what what's new things? i'm pretty much watering some every single day in something you know the mm-hmm. the elevated beds that i did were made with a uh a sand clay mix yeah. that drains really well mm-hmm. uh so it's great for the plants but they do dry quickly so you know 
my secret garden, as I call it, is, uh, you know, about every other day it has to have water run. And I'll run mm-hmm. it for an hour, you know. So it's yeah. just necessary. Right. Yeah, because it's like for at the water containers or stuff, it's like I water for about 60 minutes mm-hmm. and then turn off the water. Not, but like a whole yard of mm-hmm. containers. Uh, about si- in full sun, about sixty minutes. Turn off the water. Wait a couple hours and turn it back on, mm-hmm. just so so it can absorb all the water. Mm-hmm. Am I saying that right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm letting it the in. water. I've yeah. been around you long enough. I, I know, know what you're talking but about. But I don't think they do, <laughs> especially the ones that haven't listened to our show for twenty three years. Well, don't know what I'm saying. We're bringing it up because <laughs> we've seen a lot of things out there getting really dry, and we've seen a lot of things out there staying way too wet. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a little challenging when it's uh, when it's so dry and, and no rain. So, but we're just saying, hey guys, make sure you keep everything hydrated, but don't keep everything sloppy wet. Get the mulch pulled away from the trunks, mm-hmm. you know, because it's going to keep it moist, or you're going to have issues. And you know, the best way stick your finger down the soil about mm-hmm. an inch or so, you know, and see if it's moist. Right, that's it, that's the best. If the best it's dry, water there. it. If you're not sure, wait. And like you said, you know, we put um, water gauges actually in various places in the garden center, so you can actually see how much that spot's getting. So, like in some places, we have a fourth of an inch. Some places we have an inch. Mm-hmm. So you need to do that. Send us on, Jim. All right. we got three hours every week. We appreciate our new affiliate, WNIX in Greenville, Mississippi, that joined us. Um, that's uh, AM 1330 and FM 101.9. Thank you very much. This is Mid-South Gardening.